0: The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord, sovereign Lord says, oh, my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord.
1: Let's pray together. Thank you, O God, for sending your Spirit upon us, your Spirit who comes like wind, like flame, who changes us, who transforms us. Come now, Holy Spirit. Amen. Can these bones live? That was the question that was asked of the prophet Ezekiel. As Ezekiel was led to a nameless valley that was filled with dry bones. That was the question also. As we'll look at in the New Testament passage, the question that went through the minds of Mary and Martha on the sudden loss of their brother Lazarus, asking the question, "Will there be life? Will there can these bones live?" And that's the question that we want to ponder and reflect on this morning. And the answer. I'll give you the answer immediately. The answer is a resounding and an emphatic yes, these bones can live. They can live when the word and the spirit, or the word being the spirit, the word is poured out into them. They can live. It is our bones, who, which is the framework of our body. Our bones are covered with flesh, with skin and muscle and tissue, but it is our bones that give us our basic structure, our height, and the basic structure of our bodies. The psalmist says in Psalm 38:3, because of your wrath, there is no health in my body, there is no soundness in my bones because of my sin. The psalmist referring there to his bones bones are the record of our death. The bones are the last part of the body to decay, to return to earth. From the bones, from our bones, scientists can determine whether we are the gender of our bodies. And when human bones are unearthed in an unusual place, then certainly The officials suspect foul play was involved in the death of that person. Therefore, when we think of bones, it is likely that we think of death. And Ezekiel was led, we aren't told specifically, but it was probably in a vision that Ezekiel was led to this valley that was filled with bones with skeletons and he says the hand of the Lord was upon me indicating that the pressure that the prophet Ezekiel felt in needing to do what God told him to do the hand of the Lord indicating the power and the might of God and the the anointing that he felt that he needed to go to this valley And notice also that the prophet not only observes, he not only looks at the dry bones, but the scripture says that he is led among them. So I can imagine the prophet perhaps walking on these dry bones, among the dry bones, probably with bare feet, and discovering that these bones indeed are dry, and not only that they are dry, they are very dry. They are useless. They're completely lifeless. There's no life whatsoever within them. They are dry, and not only dry, but very dry, the Scripture says. And then the Lord the Sovereign Lord, or the Lord of hosts, or the Lord of heaven's armies. Various translations describe the Lord, the Lord Almighty, asked the prophet a profound and a deep question. And he asked the question of the prophet, can these bones live? We might ask, what an absurd question and perhaps if we were asked that question today, we would take out the, take this as an opportunity to brainstorm as to possibilities of how these bones might be brought to new life. But that's not what Ezekiel did. Ezekiel doesn't have the answer. And so in humble deference to God, he puts the ball in God's court slams it back to God and he says, Oh Lord, you know. He doesn't, Ezekiel doesn't try to answer the question. He recognizes that he doesn't know and it is completely up to God. And God gives the prophet the answer, but it's not only a verbal answer. Ezekiel must be actively involved in the answer. Ezekiel must follow. God invites Ezekiel to be involved in bringing life to these bones, in bringing life to this dry situation where there is no life left whatsoever. So the first instruction that Ezekiel is given is he's told to go preach or to prophesy to the bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. Wasn't that a rather bizarre and a crazy instruction for, for Ezekiel the prophet, the preacher, to go preach to a bunch of dry bones, of dead bones, that are dry, and not only dry, they are very dry. There's light. There's no life in them. And he's told to go preach to them. Ezekiel may have been tempted to laugh and to scoff. We don't know that he actually did. We don't have record that he did. But I would suppose that he could have been asking God, What do you have in mind? And he could have broken out into laughter. What a crazy instruction. Do you know? what you're asking Lord. You want me to speak to a bunch of dry bones, bones that there's no life in? What a bizarre instruction. And Ezekiel might have told God, that is simply ridiculous and I'm not going to do it. But no, Ezekiel did comply and he did follow God's instruction. With that as the Old Testament background, the Old Testament story, I'd like to to uh, combine the story in the New Testament where Jesus and his disciples come to their friends from John chapter 11, 1 to 6. And this is in the Pew Bible, 1 to 6, and then 17 to 44. In the Pew Bibles, 1063 to 1064. And I'll read that at this time. John 11:1-6. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who had poured perfume on the Lord and wiped His feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to me, to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there where he was two more days. And then going to verse 17. but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection, the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of cloth and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. In this passage, Mary and Martha enter their dry bones experience of life. They were friends of the master, yet they, even though they were friends of Jesus, were not shielded from the difficult and the painful experiences of life that they needed to go through in losing their brother Lazarus. Jesus receives word that his good friend is ill, uh, we, would, might, we might expect Jesus to go immediately to hurry to, to Bethany, to where his friend Lazarus was ill. But no, he, that's not how he responds. He stays two more days where he was. He's not in a hurry to leave. And to relate and to care for these friends who are going through this difficult experience of life. Martha, the dead man's sister, in her grief and her anger, was sure that Jesus would intervene. And notice her frustration and her disappointment. In fact, both sisters tell Jesus, and Martha said in verse 21, If you had been here, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha implied to Jesus, Jesus, you had plenty of time to get here, and if you had been here, he would not be in this situation. My brother would not have gone. But notice also that Jesus does not attempt to meet the expectations, to meet the demands of the two sisters. Jesus did not attempt, did not attempt to meet their expectations. But in the midst of pain and anger, Martha is not hopeless because she quickly says in verse 22, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus, she informs Jesus. So they come to the tomb. They come to the tomb, which was really a cave on the side of the hill. And the cave or the tomb had the stone stone rolled in front of it. And this time, Martha has certainly given all the right answers, but at this point, the reality of the situation comes full force to Martha's mind. And I can hear her protesting, and she is saying, it's too late, the situation is hopeless. And she protests and says, Lord, He has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. She might be saying, really in her mind, she might be saying, Jesus, don't you realize that as long as he's been dead, there will be a bad odor? Don't you realize that, Jesus, that when there's death, there is decay? And so she's probably saying in her mind, that is a crazy request to roll the stone away from the tomb. But Jesus commands the stone to be rolled away, and Jesus calls forth Lazarus from the dead. Jesus resurrects Lazarus by the power of God. And then there is one more instruction given by Jesus in this passage. The dead man comes stumbling from the tomb, And his hands and feet are bound and wrapped up in cloth. And then this instruction is given to the community of disciples that are there gathered by the tomb. The instruction was, unbind him, in verse 44b, unbind him and let him go. A great miracle has taken place. Jesus resurrected Lazarus from the dead. And he invites the community, he invites the disciples to be involved in the miracle. And Even though we have been resurrected, even though we have been transformed, yet there still may be areas of our life where we need to be unbound. And so we might ask the question, in what areas of my life, in what areas of our lives, Do we need the help of the disciples? Do we need the help of our brothers and sisters to unbind us and let us go to experience the freedom of the Spirit? Lazarus was dead, and now he's alive, and even though he was alive, he still remained bound, and he needed the help of the sisters and brothers. He needed the help of the disciples to unbind him and let him go free. So we might ask, what attitudes do i have what areas of where sin is still putting its clutches and its tentacles around me do i need the help of the community of faith to be unbound and to be free are there feelings of anger are there feelings of resentment are there attitudes of unforgiveness that need where i need to be set free are there addictions that keep their ropes around me where I need my the ropes to be let free, to let go. Where is forgiveness and healing in my life so I can move forward into a new experience with the Lord Jesus Christ? Notice it is the role of the community of faith to assist in taking off the grave clothes. It is the function of the church it's the function of the disciples. It's a function of the body of Christ to help sisters and brothers to take off the grave clothes. And not only sisters and brothers, but also our neighbors, our friends, the persons whom we relate to, to help them take off their grave clothes. Now, Jesus simply, could have simply spoken the word. In the same way that he brought forth Lazarus from the dead, he could have spoken the word and said, let it be free. Let him be free. And then the clothes, the, the strips of cloth where he was bound would have dropped to, to Lazarus' side. But that's not the way Jesus chose to do it. Jesus involved the people there in the miracle of unbinding him. Lazarus was not set free by the powerful word of Jesus. It was the gathered community who was involved in releasing the dead man. The dead man who was brought into new life. It was the disciples who were gathered on the hillside. And I can imagine them by the tomb rejoicing in the resurrection that Lazarus had experienced. Certainly, this was certainly a wonderful and powerful miracle. And they were rejoicing. And now they were involved in unbinding him in letting him go free. It is in the fellowship of our small groups in the fellowship of Sunday school classes where we will be able to develop that kind of depth of intimacy where we can develop that intimacy and ask the personal spiritual questions, questions such as, are you in bondage? Are there areas of bondage in your life to develop that kind of, of spiritual connection? I would desire this that we would develop those kind of spiritual depth of intimacy and ask the questions, are there any addictions or are there any sins where I can be of assistance in helping you as we walk together in the area of discipleship? The body of Christ, the community of believers, assists those who are new in Christ to take off the grave clothes of bondage And as we go about our lives, especially Michael Breen, and I know some of you will recognize his name because you're studying that book in in Sunday school class, and I'm reading that book along with you, but emphasizes that we do discipling as we invite persons to be involved in the ordinary and the daily routines and activities of life, that we invite persons to go along with us, and as we do that, they learned what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And it's our mandate. It's our mandate. I can't stress this enough in my message this morning. It's our mandate, it's our function, and our duty as a a church, as a body of Christ, to help others in removing the grave clothes where there is bondage. I suggest also further that we're not we're called not only to release and forgive personal sins, but also to unbind systemic sins such as poverty and violence. Stephanie Yeager, a pastor of a church on the south side of Chicago, reports where she lives and where she works that if you're an African-American male in her neighborhood, you have a better chance of going to jail than of going to college. And she continues, quote, I know of no harder task than to work to unbind people who live in entrenched poverty in all of America's cities, end of quote. Going back to the prophet Ezekiel, Ezekiel is instructed to invite the spirit, to call to the four winds. And once again, the prophet is not in a bystander role. The prophet is actively involved in doing what God calls him to do. And he has a relationship with the spirit of God. And so let's see, as one artist depicts what Ezekiel is doing. Notice the bones there at the bottom of the valley. And Ezekiel now is having his, his hands out and prophesying and speaking to the, to the winds, calling on the spirit of God. And then the breath of God comes from the four winds and enters into the corpses and they stand like a mighty army, and that has some implications that we see also in the book of Revelation. As the breath of God entered into them, they became a vast multitude. And we cannot, as I was teaching him in, in our class in preparation for baptism this morning, the focus was on the spirit of God. We cannot do what we are called to do, either in our homes or in our congregation without the work of the Spirit of God. We cannot do it in our own strength. It it takes the anointing of the Spirit to create homes of love and compassion. The Spirit of God is who calls us to service to both inside and outside our homes. And in our congregation also, we need the Spirit of God to invite the Spirit of God upon us. I read a book about the history of the church in Ethiopia. I enjoy reading, and uh, in particular, I I enjoy history and impressed as the work of God across across the globe. In the church in Ethiopia, the church grew at 17, amazing 17% annually during its 17 years under Marxism, When they were not, the church was not even allowed to meet publicly and openly. And prayer undergirded the ministry of the church in that country. And in one congregation, the choir twice a month spent all night in prayer. And they had Bible study and choir practice and prayer from 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. And it was the Lord who helped them Stay awake, it was reported, so that they could be praying and sharing together. The spirit of the Lord must be upon us as we vision and what we are doing and what we are planning. And yes, this message, the message of Ezekiel, the message in the New Testament, the story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus is for us today in 2014. I believe that God is breathing renewal and new life in our work and also in the ministry of our congregation. God comes to us. God comes to us and gives us hope. And it is God who invites us to take off the grave clothes of complaining and negativism and gossip and despair. The people were saying, the people were saying, Our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost and we're cut off completely. But God tells the prophet, But say to them, O my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O my people, You will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit within you, and you will live again. I will put my spirit within you, and you will live again. Isn't that a wonderful reassurance that God is with us? I will put my spirit within you, and you will live again. The voice of the Lord comes to us. Can these bones live? And then we hear God saying, I will put my spirit within you, and you will live again. God desires to bring forth resurrection in every aspect, in our own lives, in our personal lives, in our home life, and in the life of the congregation. God desires to bring forth resurrection and renewal. Getting more specifically, what does this message, what does this sermon, what does this question mean for us today in our congregation? Can we take this sermon and put shoe leather on it? God desires to bring forth a resurrection in our midst. In my first 26 months of being here, while I was serving not only as lead pastor, but also as the intentional interim pastor, we did a lot of looking back. We did a lot of of exploring together what we had experienced and going back into history. And we had significant number of meetings, and I know some of you were tired of going to those meetings and continue to talk about what happened in the past. But in, in medical terms, I would suggest we needed to do that to lance the boil, or even more graphically, to drain off the pus and the infection. We needed to do that. But I would also suggest that we are now in a new season in our congregational life. And even as spring has come to the outside, spring symbolizing resurrection, I would suggest we are called in this time to walk in newness of life, to walk in resurrection, and also to walk closely with the Spirit of God so that we too, as Ezekiel, so that we too become creative agents of God's work. Can I have an amen for that? That we too will become creative agents for the work that God is doing among us. In chapter 3, The prophet began his work and he was led, the writer says, he was led to the river Kibar where the exiles had gathered there by the river. And the scripture says that Ezekiel, that he sat there among them for seven days, he was so overwhelmed by the situation as they sat there by the river longing to go back home, longing to be released from Babylon. And though he was overwhelmed, though he was overwhelmed and stunned, as one of the translations says, though he was overwhelmed, he still responded to the voice of God. God, my friends, my sisters and brothers, God is calling us to the places of dry bones. Where might those places be? I would suggest that God is calling us to the AIDS clinics. God is calling us to the Water Street Ministries. God is calling us to those places <clears throat> Excuse me, where there is little hope and hope is almost gone. God is calling us, my sisters and brothers, to the places where people are lonely, where people need assistance in taking off the grave clothes. God will minister to us God will empower us. God will fill us by God's spirit as we are involved in ministry. God is calling us as God's people to walk among the valley of dry bones because we know the one who gives us power and who releases us. God is calling us to clinics where who serve persons who do not have any health insurance just as the river of life in the the city of Columbia here in Lancaster County. And as we respond to the call of God and are involved in bringing hope and healing and life to the dry bones, we will, we too, will be renewed and energized. We will be renewed and energized in our personal life, in our congregational life, And we too would experience the presence of God as we are involved in bringing new life to the dry bones, to the dead places where where hope is almost gone in the places that God is calling us to go to. Amen. May it be so. We'll share in a closing song.